and thanks for watching or listening to episode 27 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. You can watch us on VIP YouTube or search for us on Spotify or iTunes and you can download and have a nice listen and perhaps leave a nice comment. I'm Steve Lillis, as usual, my co-host is with me, Mr. John Evans. He's only down the road from me in Oldham and can most probably hear me shouting from here. You okay, John? Yeah, I'm good, Steve. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, top guest this week, we got one of the stars of Ring Magazine, the managing editor, who uh, it's the US magazine. He's based up in Scotland, Mr. Tom Gray. And it is managing editor, isn't it, Tom? Uh, as no, yes. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, John. How are you? Okay. How's, how's things I'm at good. Ring Magazine? We've had, we've had the great tribute to Hagler. What else we yep. got to look forward to? Um, Sugar Ray Robinson is next up. Um, Robinson will be turning 100 years old on May 3rd. So we've put together like a similar to Four Kings, used archive materials and also new materials to create something I believe really, really special. And then after that, we'll probably hopefully begin down the Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua uh, preview special. Let's hope anyway. Oh, let's hope. Let's hope you're doing a preview and Anthony Joshua and uh, Tyson Fury. Let's hope that whatever, the, whatever they're waiting for to be delivered from Saudi or wherever, the bags of um, bullion that's going to be delivered. Let's hope <laughs> it's delivered and we get the fight um, very, very soon. Because I think with these fights, you just get fed up at a build-up. And in the end, by the time they're signed, you don't even want the build-up. You just want them to fight. Yeah, yeah. We've experienced that many times. It's getting a... Um... And just before we start, another roadblock popped up today, didn't it? With uh, McCracken supposedly being a uh, um, questionable for the fight because of the Olympics. Can can yeah. you honestly, if you put your hand on your heart, can you see Joshua going into a fight without McCracken and Fury going into the fight on eighteen months layoff? It just seems well, a bit put of a this, to me. Put it this way: I think that if if um, the fight gets postponed again, or if it's not going to be until the end of the year, you're facing a situation there where Tyson's going to have been out for the best part yeah. of two years. Yeah. Um, that doesn't suit Tyson, never mind the trainer issue with Joshua. So then you're looking at interim fights, and I think fans, and I know the media, have had enough of it. Um, it's a nightmare. That, that, that is an absolute yeah. nightmare. I mean, I think his dates for going to the Olympics are July 24. Great. Make the fight July 17. You know, do something. Change it. You know Another break would be a killer. Yeah, well, we'll just have to see. I mean, I think Frank Warren suggested last week it could go to September. Now, I also heard a suggestion a couple... Look, and we all hear rumours all the time, the three of us in boxing. I heard there was a date, if it doesn't happen, for Tyson to box um, in America at the end of June, I think it was, or the very start of July, in, in that interim fight that, you know, that, and then if he, the interim fight, does it lead to Joshua later in the year? We'll see, fellas, but... We'll get on with the podcast with the main body of it. Um, Tom, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's six topics, three minutes each round. And if you're still talking after 180 seconds, what happens, John? John gets angry as well. Uh, in comes the bell. I expect to hear the bell quite often then. <laughs> yeah, you're a good, you're a, you're a, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I said to John today, you'll talk. So <laughs> I, I said to John, you'll talk. Anyway, John, round one's over to you. Let me get the step timer started. And away we go, right? Well, I know you're going to mention uh, the Andrade Liam Williams fight a little bit, Steve, but credit to Liam. Again, he did something that I don't think 99% of people listening or watching to this could possibly do and get through that. You know, he took some horrendous shots, didn't he? And the heart and guts to keep going. 
deserves all the credit in the world. But yet again, it, you know, it's another British guy who we all had high hopes for coming back as a, rather than coming back as a world champion and a hero, he's coming back as a, a brave Brit. You know, he gave his all. He was, he was so brave, so determined. And I was looking through the British rankings and I'm just wondering who we think of the next guys who've got the, the capabilities, the potential to go to America and win some big fights. You know, we've got Fury, obviously did it in devastating fashion uh, against Wilder. Josh Taylor, I think, is a pretty warm yeah. favourite to do it against Ramirez. But after that, you know, it's pretty scratching my head a little bit. Maybe Josh Buaxi looks a bit like he could be cream of the crop, but he's gone off the boil a little bit. We've got to see how he goes with Virgil Hunter. But since the days of Hatton, Calzaghe, Froch, you know, it's, it's pretty slim pickings. You, you've got DeGale deserves incredible credit for what he yeah. did. Um, Jamie McDonnell, Kel Brook. But when you can remember things so vividly, it's not a good sign, is it? I'm just wondering why you think we're struggling, who the most likely next guys are. I just think we're getting back to, you remember when I first used to go over to America in the Lennox Lewis days, and the talk then was always of brave British fighters. And, you know, you do wonder where he comes and, you know, are we going to, even in fights coming up in this country, are we going to get more brave Brit accolades? You know, you know, Richard's fights um, Bivol for the WBA light, light heavyweight. Sonny Edwards has got a, a, you know, he's got a fair chance of winning, but he could fall in that category again. And as to going to America, I think Josh Taylor's the only banker we got at the moment. Yeah, yeah with myself, um, Joshua Boatsy, I think the timing might end up good for him. I mean, better be Bivol um, haven't really impressed me too much. I think a lot of it comes down to what's in your division. If you look at Lee McGregor, for example, Lee looks like he's made giant strides with Ben Davison, but he's a bantamweight. And if you look at that division, it's a murderer's row. So it's ultimately going to depend what you come up against in the division. Like everything else in boxing, it comes down to timing. Um, I think Buatzi could end up picking up a world title. That's, that's what I believe. I think Josh Taylor, like you guys say, will be undisputed champion come May. Uh, at least we don't need to worry about the heavyweights because we own that. Um, but, you know, that's like you guys say, there's not there's not a lot of stars or upcoming stars that you can foresee right now. But I do think we'll get back on top. Lawrence Ciccoli. I miss Lawrence Ciccoli as well. But can you imagine, I can't for the life of me imagine someone coming out of the blue like a Lloyd Honeygood and just destroying a big name. I think we, we desperately need that next crop of the next exciting fighters to, to really come and prove they can do it on the world stage rather than... Here in my own backyard. Well, it, it says it all that we're. Oh, got a shot. Round two. Great. Oh, you, or, or great. It's Demetrius Andrade. Um, at times you throw against Liam Williams, and, he, and we've seen it before in often far. I'm just picking up Liam's because it was a couple of days ago. Um, he looks an all time great at times, but he, then he switches off, and that's great into you to watch him. If he could fight three minutes of every round, he would be the most likely man in, in boxing. To beat, you know, to beat Canelo, I think, you know, he, I, I just can't make him out. I mean, if he hadn't switched off the other night, I mean, I'm sure he would have stopped Liam Williams. And we've seen it so often, drop someone early and then just switch off and go and make sure you, you get win on points. And, um, you know, you, and you only see glimpses of what, 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 what he's about. I mean, I'm wondering particularly, Tom, what you think, because I know you've got your ears down and eyes down on the American scene a lot more than I certainly would, and possibly John. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, just when you're explaining it, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. You remember back when Roy Jones Jr. was fighting at light heavyweight and he would fight a lot of guys 
and almost get bored. Reggie Johnson fight was a good example, decked him twice in the first three rounds and then kind of settled into this, you know, just basically going through the motions for the remainder of the fight. He'd done it with Julio Gonzalez, who he dropped a yeah, couple well, of times. Yeah. Again, the He's fight went the distance. Right, yeah. The difference between Demetrius Andrade and Roy Jones Jr. is Jones was entertaining to watch shadow boxing. Whereas when Andrade <laughs> settles into this kind of this kind of groove to go the distance, he starts to look a bit clumsy and bored and just generally just through the motions and it's not entertaining to watch. So when you I, I wouldn't mind sitting watching Roy Jones for 12 rounds. I can't think of a boring fight he had at his peak. The same cannot be said about a funky, stylistic southpaw that's, you know that's making things awkward. I mean, he was he was making a mockery of Liam at times, just tying him up and using his strength, but not doing anything that you wanted to see. And that's the difference. I, I just wonder if Andrade is extremely concerned about his stamina. He's so weight-drained. Yeah. You know, he, maybe he, he puts it all into the first couple of rounds. He looks sensational for two rounds there. Um, that left hand was beautiful. It, if you're a world-class fighter fighting world title level and you're landing uppercuts like that, then you've got some kind of incredible oh, yeah. talent. Liam couldn't solve it. But I just wonder if the weight is extremely difficult and he tries to pace himself. Uh, in flashes, he's fantastic. But at middleweight, he also looks extremely vulnerable. Liam hurt him in the ninth round. Yeah, Commentators yeah. didn't pick up on and it. And in the third but round. I just wonder if we might see him at 168. We might see a, an even better guy. Possibly. Go on. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, I, mean, I think the perfect fight for him is actually Golovkin, largely because I believe Golovkin has declined a bit, but he's still a major force. And Andre needs a big name to, to break himself free of the pack because he's not doing that. I mean, Liam Williams is a tough guy, a good fight, and I gave him a shot on Saturday, but it's not the type of fights that we all want to see Andre then. So, you know. Your topic, Tom. Your top, your first topic, and we're talking about a great for sure. Yeah, yeah, Sugary Robinson. So Ring Magazine are doing a special uh, edition on Robinson because, like I say, he'll be, it'll be his 100th birthday on May the 3rd. Um, on the cover, I believe, we're going to put the greatest fighter ever. And my question is, is he? Um, and the reason I ask the question is, if Robinson is the greatest prize fighter that's ever lived, we must, or boxing must be the only sport where there's not an evolution to make a better fighter, a better fighter, a better fighter. There's been in every other sport. So my question is, is Robinson the best because of nostalgia? Because it's the, the, the good thing to say. Sometimes I get the impression that people say that Robinson's the best ever and that they've probably watched 10 rounds of them total. And also juxtaposed alongside that, We've, we've never seen Robinson at his absolute peak because we don't have video evidence of it. So, yeah, discuss. Yeah, um, well, certainly the, the welterweight reign. You know, when he was a welterweight, there's very little footage, isn't there, um, of him? Look, I, I'm getting very... I don't, you know, you toss around these who's the greatest and you can't deny he's up there. You know, 200 fights, five times world middleweight champion, you know... Um, never lost a rematch, but I, I find it uncomfortable for myself when fighters from way back are lauded by so many, you know, myself included. You know, as you say, I, I, I've watched what, I, what I've watched of, of Sugar Ray Robinson and don't deny it, but it's so hard. And, I, and, and I, I feel really uncomfortable when these fantasy matches are made between, say, him and Carlos Monzon, him and Hagler. They're completely different generations. It's like you can't compare footballers yeah. now of the 60s the training the fitness you know just you know there's no doubt he, he is one of the greats but i don't think people like myself i, I was brought up from the ali era i can remember like ali the the second stage of ali's career in the 70s i was brought up on so i can speak 
well about boxing from then. I can tell you what Robinson did through research. But people sp speak about him as if they were there with him in every fight. And I don't want to take anything away from the, you know, and I, will not, I, won't, I, I, will, I won't deny he, he could be the greatest. But I feel very uncomfortable. A lot of people just say he's the greatest. And I do believe there's a lot of nostalgia to it, Tom. Yeah, to, to quote an Elvis song, um, hearing's deceiving, seeing's believing, isn't it? And I think unless you've actually seen it and you've got a lot of video footage, it's almost in, impossible to decide. What I'll say about Robinson, Ed, what a stunning fighter. Um, very much like Sugar Ray Leonard gets classed as a classy, slick boxer, but just has that horrible, nasty viciousness, which yep. gets overlooked. Um, people call... Ray Leonard, uh, a flashy guy, you know, um, he used to pick his way through fights and stuff like that. No, but he was, him and yeah. Robinson both share that ability to just switch people off and do it in the coldest, cleanest manner. I, I love watching him, wherever he's the best. You know, it's impossible to say. And, and that's a great cover because it sparks debate, Tom, by the way, at Ring Magazine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Right, there's a, a phrase in boxing, um, the Who Needs Them Club. You know, it's, it's usually reserved for people... Tricky southpaws, negative fighters, skillful, awkward guys, boring but dangerous. What it doesn't apply to is explosive, exciting, knockout, concussive punches. Um, and why Callum Johnson's been in the Who Needs Them Club for two years? Two years, I, I just can't fathom. Um, boxing promoters, fans, the sport do need people like that. They need Callum Johnson. Um, Luckily, this week he's coming back and he's going straight into that mix with Anthony Yard, Lyndon Arthur, the WBO titles right in there. And Callum's not just coming to make up the numbers. You know, he's got he's in with a big puncher this weekend. Callum's coming to wreak havoc. You know, he's 35 years old. He might not have long left. Um, it's going to be exciting. You know, Callum's single-minded. He says whoever he's got to go through to get to that world title, he's coming for them and he's going to try and knock them out. And I, I think we can take Callum at his word. So welcome back to the mix, Callum Johnson. Tom, you are, you're our guest. Yep. Um, I, uh, I rate Callum Johnson very, very highly. I've been lucky enough to see him um, in the gym and uh, doing span with, with Callum Smith. Um, I hate the fact that he's had, I think it works out at three fights in the last four and a half years. And while I agree with John, um, and he's got amateur pedigree, you know, Commonwealth gold medalist, and you know, we know he can whack. I mean, he put better Biev on the floor, and better Biev looks like he could stand up to cannon fire, right? So um, at the end of the day, I'm very, very happy that he's back. I think he can make an impression on the domestic scene, conceivably could get another world title shot. I just... I, I really hate the fact that um, he's been inactive for as long as he has because I think he could have fitted a lot of worthwhile stuff into that period of time rather than just the three fights in, in, in four and a half years. I hope he gets the world title fight and there's certainly not, you know, can be no excuses for anyone now that they can't, the fights can't be made in, in that division, you know, Frank can put him in with Yard, you know, unfortunately Anthony's off the bill now Saturday night because of a, it's a problem with a tooth that means he can't train for a couple of weeks or he, he hasn't trained for a couple of weeks. I haven't read the press release in full that come out. You know, Lyndon Arthur, I think this WBO global belt, whatever it's for, I get him a high ranking with a WBO. And I wouldn't be shocked if he went in some sort of final eliminator to get to Joe Smith. I think Frank's plan might be let him try and get the world title off Joe Smith and then he can come back and fight these British guys. There's a lot of good fights out there for him. Um, look, you know, 19 fights in 10 years as a pro is, oh, you know, it makes me shudder. But 
I still think he can win a world title. Go, Steve. Um, return of crowds. I just wondered when, you know, realistically, we think we're, it's going to get back. We're, you know, we're at the point now where the bubble rules are changing from May the 3rd in uh, British, but it's still not going to be enough to convince small hall promoters to come back. Um, mm. The rules are changing, but you've still got to be in a bubble 24 hours before away in all fights as it's going to be. So, um, you know, it's still two days of expensive. I'm just worrying more and more when we're actually going to see a return of crowds, particularly to small hall shows, because I just don't see how, because who's going to pay for the testing for these guys that you, you need to get in? It's not like these current government tests where they're sticking a nightclub in Liverpool. You can all go to the football few thousand yesterday, 10,000, whatever it is. I'm not sure the crowd at the Car the Carabao Cup final on Sunday between Manchester City and Tottenham. Um, they're all, you know, that you're allowed to have the NHS test and pay for. I'm just worrying if we, I'm, I'm fear. I know that Steve Wood has booked a, more shows than you can ever think of from September, but I'm really worried that we still might not see crowds back this year in small halls. It's going to be hard enough in big arenas that are going to cost fortunes to hire, like the O2 in London, and you're only allowed 3,000 in there. Or possibly yeah, well, 3,000. Yeah, it goes for what, what um, John was saying about the next, you know, the British stars coming through. Because if these guys who rely on the small hall scene to develop and be nurtured are not getting out, then sooner or later down the line, you're going to see the ramifications of that. So it's a major concern. And also the fact that it's an ever-changing scenario. One minute, you know, you've got your hopes up. Next minute, there's a new variant out. Oh, we need to shut things down again. But you, you can just never be you can never be sure where we're going at the minute. But it's a major problem, and a, a lot of people should, um, you know, it, it's something to, to to worry about. I think. I mean, ultimately, because until we're in a position where everyone's vaccinated, and we've got it right under control. I don't see things getting back to normal anytime soon. It'll be into 2022 yeah. before we do. Well. It's over a year now, isn't it, since some guys have thought. And you can keep going for four or five months and then you can persuade yourself, well, the season would have ended and I would have had three months off. And then you can persuade yourself, that, well, Christmas is coming. I might not have had a fight before Christmas. But since Christmas to April and there's just nothing in sight, I just worry that we're going to get people starting to drift away. I know we've said yeah. it on this podcast a few times that the guys who still have to work as well as train, those who aren't lucky enough to be able to do it full time, how long can you carry on for? You know, yeah. at some point you're going to be past your peak. You're going to be 27, 28 instead of 23, 24, 25. Um, still no meaningful fight. Still trying to get off a small hall circuit. You might just knock it on the head before you even get to that point. And, and, and lot, I think that's the worry we've got. And a lot of these guys are also are on ticket deals. And they sell their tickets down pubs that... Aren't open. Yeah, anyway. lost track of the time. Then go on, Tom. Finish it. Tom, off. final topic. We're at six and final round. Tom Grave, fire away. Yeah, this is um, this is the thing that probably in the sport that's that's annoying me the most, and that's saying something. And it's it's um, scorecards that are miles away from reality. The most recent, certainly high profile one that I can recall anyway, is was the Estrada Gonzalez rematch, which we've seen recently, where Carlos Sucre turned in a nine rounds to three card for Estrada, which I'm now is seconds by that. I mean, that's a fight I would normally watch on the Sunday three or four times, but I was so seconded I didn't even watch the fight back. And I think this, I don't want to use the word epidemic right now, but it's happening way too often. We had it in, in Britain, in my opinion, 
Vasquez was completely robbed against yeah. Lewis Ritson and the scoring that went in in his favour was disgusting considering that kid had travelled 5,000 miles for that opportunity. He just got ripped off. And it, it, I mean, I'm not saying it was, but it looked like the numbers were filled in before he arrived. We had it with uh, Zelfa Barrett and uh, Kiko Martinez. Um, I thought Zelfa was, was lucky to, to get that decision almost, but, you know, Martinez, you know, was the loser by, by wide margins. And what I'd like to know is what you think of the WBA for once made a good decision and suspended Carlos Sucre because of that card. This is something, in my opinion, we, sh we should see more of because the British Boxing Board of Control are very quick to get an official in and say, oh, well, that's just the way he's seen the fight. The scoring was subjective. And I think too often we fall for that. And I think penalties need to be introduced. People need to be suspended and stop working on big shows if their score is miles away from reality. I couldn't agree more with you, Tom. I think I've gone on about this, you know, before I've mentioned this. I'm, don't, I'm not going to say any officials are corrupt. Um, I don't think they are in Britain. I just think there's inept scoring. I think with the Zelfa Barrett, for example, and I think I mentioned this on the pod before, the 118, 111, um, Steve Gray was one of the judges. I think Steve's been involved in something like five of Zelfa's last six fights. So there's familiarity with fighters because you believe how good they are. They're seeing that and, well, oh, he can do that. Oh, you know, and, and I think they're, yep. too, they're too much. And the board do nothing about it. You know, there was the, what was the fight where Robert Smith did the interview by AFL? And he was so blase talking about people who tweet at midnight on a Saturday night. These are people who, who pay TV subscriptions. Money goes to the board who buy tickets. I think the way, in, in, you know, if that had been someone from the FA speaking about fans like that, there would have been an absolute outcry. But, it, you know, it, it got, and they just get away. And what I don't think helped in the last year at all, they're only using star class referees for everything. The ball to control. Yep. Some officials haven't worked for a year. I don't think that's helped the situation. Um, I don't think they ever will start, you know, suspending. They might wrap them behind closed doors. But if they said, you know, if you look when Terry O'Connor got hauled up, I think for um, the fight you mentioned in Newcastle, Ritson, was that yeah, one was of the... Ritson Vasquez. Yeah, yeah he, but if you notice, he didn't score for a couple of months. He, he was missing for a few weeks. We didn't see him around and suddenly appeared. Yeah. Now, I was saying, Martin said... We would have, we're going to stand you down, Terry, for, you know, just you, you need a break, have a think, you've been busy. They could easily turn that, well, you know, we, we're standing Terry down for four weeks. It would look a lot better from PR-wise by announcing this because we didn't see Terry for a few weeks and it would have looked a lot better for him. But I think, you know, the board, a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of good people on the board, so I don't want to include the, uh, all of them, particularly some, I know a lot of the lads on the Central Area Council, but... Um, you know, I think there's people at the board who just treat who just treat fans and what we think with contempt. Because at the end, yeah. I, you know, I might be a journalist who's paid, fortunately, paid to work in boxing, but I'm still a fan who cares about the sport and which which we are treated with contempt a lot of the time. Right, we've gone way over there because Steve got on his high horse. Go so on, John. You fire. You give us. Oh no, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll just say something else about a referee's decision and judging. Um, a bit of common sense with Regis Progray's fight from weekend, which was clearly a body shot, uh, which Ivan Redcash decided to turn into a low blow and try and get a disqualification or a no contest. It's been overturned and progress has progress been given a, a TKO win. So finally, a little bit of common sense in boxing. Yeah, that's good. Because I didn't know that. That's good news. I, I didn't know that. I, didn't. I don't think you can do that with... Um, I saw Progray tweet, tweeting about it. So if it's wrong, blame Regis. 
But I don't think, no, if you can do that with decisions, I, that's impossible because it always comes back to that subjective argument. That's what you saw. Uh, it needs facts, That's the reason, doesn't it? If that's what you saw, you shouldn't be doing it. But um, yes. there we go. That's never going to change, I don't think. Well, sorry I overran there, John, with my little ranks. You know I get annoyed about officials. When Tom <laughs> brought that one up, I thought, here we go. I thought, <laughs> I'm sticking that on at round six so I can, uh, I can have my, make sure I get my say on. Fellas, you've been an absolute... Gentle, you've been gentlemen and Tom, thanks for joining us this evening. I know you're busy you're getting welcome. this Sugar Sugar Ray Robinson special away in Ring Magazine that's out soon. So thanks for affording us some time. John, thanks as always. And uh, thanks everyone for watching or listening. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.